Hey, good morning and welcome to another episode of Overtime Heroics Baseball Podcast, Cheap Seats Chatter. I'm your host, Ken Allison, and I can be found on Twitter at KenAllison18. Joining me today are uh, Matthias Altman Karasaki, who can be found at Matthias underscore A underscore K, and Luke Garrison, better known as at Sonic Hockey Fan. Guys, how are you this afternoon? Doing well, Ken. Thanks for having us on. And we always we always do this a day early, so you'll have to forgive the the afternoon references, even though uh, listeners will be hopefully hearing this in the morning. Um, well, let's uh, start with uh, recaps from the league division series. Um, Mac, you did okay. The rest of us probably better give up prognosticating. Um, we had uh, the uh, A's versus Astros, uh, in which uh, the Astros won the series three one. Um, Luke was, uh, the only one that picked Houston, um, and then changed his predictions to the A's. So we were unanimously wrong on that one. Luke, what made you change your mind? I know. I guess all of you thought you had good points on maybe the Astros, maybe leaning towards the fact that the batters couldn't handle that A's pitching core. And maybe that's what I thought, but I guess it's maybe it's, I just wanted to give it all of you, I guess. So you succumbed to peer pressure. Yeah, probably. probably <laughs> um, in that series, uh, it didn't seem like Oakland's offense uh, was doing very much comparatively. Um, they scored literally a third less runs than Houston did. Um, by the end of the series, Houston had outscored the A's 33-22. Um, Mac, who do you think uh, really had the better offense, whether or not it showed? Well, I actually don't think Oakland's offense did too poorly. I mean, 22 runs in four games is still an average of over five runs per game. Their pitching staff really let them down. Uh, Houston's offense was just clicking. I mean, the offense that was pretty mediocre in the regular season has really caught fire, I think. At least they did in the LDS and the wildcard series even. So I think the Astros, they just, their offense caught fire and they they were able to come through whenever they had opportunities. They've been uh, certainly solid um, this postseason. Um, relying, it seems like, well, really, it seems like everybody's relying a lot on the long ball, which has kind of been a theme in Major League Baseball for the last couple of seasons. Um, but I was, I was kind of surprised. They, to me, Oakland just looked limp, like they, like they just didn't have. Um, you know, that, that, uh, that fire that they'd been playing with, you know, throughout the regular season, um, you know, and even against the White Sox that, that went three games and, you know, I was kind of surprised to see that series go the distance. Um, Luke, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, again, I'm very surprised. Yes. Like I said, like I said, the hitting, they managed to do it and they managed to completely hit really well against that ease. Um, people Point, especially when you look at it again, I'm impressed, but I'm also mad at the Astros at the same time. Yeah, they've uh, um, they've surprised a lot of people this year, and um, you know we were kind of kidding around a little bit last week. I I doubt very seriously with the league and and really the world watching them that they're that they're doing any form of cheating. Um, it certainly hasn't looked that way the last couple of days against the Rays, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Um, but, 
um, you know, they've, uh, as I said last week, I think Dusty Baker was, was the right guy for the job. Um, I think he's got enough of a reputation as, you know, as a, you know, as a former player and, and as a manager that, you know, Houston brought him in to save face and, and knew that, that Dusty could probably, uh, to some extent, you know, turn, um, the perception of Houston around. I mean, haters are going to hate. Um, I still loathe them for what they did. Um, but it looks like they have their hands full now with the Rays. And like I said, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Uh, moving on to the other half of the ALDS series. Uh, we had the Rays and the Yankees. Uh, obviously, Tampa won that series 3-2. Um, thus far, it's it's been the only uh, uh, LDS to go to, to go the, the distance. Um, Luke, I certainly understand why you picked the Yankees or your team. Um, the rest of us took uh, the Rays in that series. Um, what are your thoughts on on how New York played? I remember this is remember I was going to say remember this yeah. is a family friendly show. <laughs> yeah, but it was awful. It was completely awful. Looking at what the baseball pen is and how incredible it was, you could see how the Yankees struggled to hit off anything. If if anything. You saw a game where they hit right off of Blake Snell, but then you look next day and they're playing, um, uh, what's the other pitcher's name? But, uh, uh, Tyler Glass now, and they just can't hit off him. They, the Rays knew that would be the best strategy, just get Tyler Glass on the ball. And then you give the ball to the rest of that bullpen, and you still can't hit off it. And uh, another area I completely noticed, and everyone else noticed too, is Ed Boone's mismanagement, deciding to go with Devy for game two, and deciding, yeah, let's let J.A. Happ um, give the ball. Let's give one of our worst relievers this season the chance to hit against the um, Rays and to pitch against the Rays and to chill. And, again, the lineup, also, the Yankees lineup just could not hit. Like, you saw that with Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez. They struggled immensely. And John Carlos then continues to actually become a much better Yankee in the postseason this season. And I would love to see that happen next season. And well, But, again... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, interestingly enough, though, New York actually outscored Tampa 22 to 21 in that series. They just didn't score the right amount of runs, obviously, per game um, yeah, to, and, have, to have secured the, you know, the the title. I just think that um, the whole idea was that the Yankees could not hit at the right time. And you saw that in game five where they saw at that bullpen. They could not hit. And you walk out of Kofi game five. They couldn't hit off of them either, only one run, but that was the wall. That was that stupid wall that Pekka put there. But aside from that, I, I got to give credit what credit's due to Mike Purcell. As much as I hate him right now, he managed to put up a fight against Roldis Chapman. And I got to be honest, this is a strategy. Never put a Roldis Chapman in any form of scenario like this ever again. It happened literally four straight times in his career. You can't keep putting him out there if he's going to keep giving up those little home runs. Yeah. Uh, Mac, your thoughts on that series? Well, I thought this it was a very uh, hard-fought series. I think it's been the best series thus far in the postseason. Um, I think you kind of hit on all the points. I mean, they the Yankees outscored the Rays in this series, but they just they couldn't come through uh, when it mattered the most. I mean, Game Five, they were just stifled by the Rays pitching staff, which I got to give a lot of credit to that pitching staff. They have been fantastic all year and uh they really they continued to show it um 
you know, and their offense. I mean, this is a Tampa Bay lineup that doesn't have a real superstar in that lineup, but they've gotten contributions from all sorts of different players. You know, I mean, lately it was Randy Iris Arena, and then it was also, um, you know, it's also been Manuel Margot. Yeah, Choi. Like, just they have, yeah. they have so many different contributors. And Kiermaier. I think, yeah, Kiermaier, who's like, also a fantastic defender. I want to know the story behind uh, Randy Ozevain. How did he become this powerful? Yeah, I mean, he was pretty good in the regular season, too. But, like, he was not, like, when the Rays traded for Jose Martinez, he, Martinez was the headliner, from what I heard. Uh, Arozarena was one of the prospects they got. And he's, like, he had a cup of coffee in the big leagues last year. And then this year, he was pretty good when he got to play, um, in the regular season, and then he's just taken off this postseason. So he, reminds he was me, a reason. He reminds me a lot of like an Acuna uh, Junior or or maybe an Ozzy Albies, um, somebody that just kind of came into the into the spotlight and and just managed to shine from the beginning. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, he's he's been fantastic this postseason, and uh, the Rays. You know, it's interesting. This came up uh, during today's game is that the Rays have been able to do this without their two best hitters, uh, Brandon Lau and Austin Meadows. They've both been ice cold. So they the other players have really stepped up, and I think that's a big reason why they got past the Yankees. Yeah, and let me, you know, let me go back to the, uh, to the uh, Astros series for just a minute. Um, if Justin Verlander is, is in that rotation, I, is it a totally different outcome, do you think? For... Um, well, well, for well, for well, for this series, but for the Astros anyway, yeah, yeah, or, or the postseason in general. I mean, you know, when you're missing, you know, a guy like Justin Verlander, you're missing an awful big arm. You know, no, th- and- that that's why I thought the Astros were going to struggle was because they don't have Verlander, who's their best pitcher, and but they've been able to get by without him. Well, and it's now been announced that he's going to need Tommy John surgery, so he's going to, they're not going to have next year either. Also, when you lose, when the Yankees lost Tommy Canley and Luis Severino to Tommy John, I feel like that's when the bullpen completely <coughs> diminished, and that's why you saw many of those Yankees pitchers struggling in these games. You kind of really saw how they easily gave up a lot of hits, a lot of walks, and it's really hard for them to get out of it. You can't just... You can't just rely on one pitcher the whole thing to do. You got to get a lot of the pitches, and I feel like that's the biggest reason why everyone's hitting on Brian Cashman because he, again, like last season, forgot to get a big, like a, a starter or at least a good relief pitcher in the in the in the trade deadline because that would have really helped the Eagles immensely in this postseason. I feel like that's where the struggle comes from, and you have to also get a bat too because you saw everyone, including the the Mayhew, who surprisingly was went. A lot of gold for the series um, could not hit. It's insane. Like you, ha- why aren't you upgrading your team? Yeah, um, let's take a look over to the to the uh, National League Division Series. Um, the Dodgers and the Padres. Um, the Dodgers ended up sweeping again, three to nothing. Mac, I'll give you credit. You were the only one that took LA. The rest of us thought the Padres were gonna. Um, be the slam Diego team that they were all season and, and put the Dodgers out of the playoffs. But um, you were right. 
Yeah, I think I'm not going to say that the Padres necessarily did horribly this series. I just think that they got unlucky with their matchup. I think if they faced any other team other than the Dodgers, they would have probably advanced. But, you know, matching up against a team that basically has no holes in their roster, I just didn't see the Padres getting past them. And the Dodgers, outside of game two, it was fairly painless. I mean, game two, the Padres, you know, they they rallied in the ninth inning to make it 6-5, and they had the bases loaded when the game ended. But, I mean, I think if Eric Hosmer had come through in that ninth inning with the bases loaded, that would have turned the series on its head maybe. But, you know, because the Dodgers were able to get out of that, I mean, they maintained their momentum. And, you know, because of that, the Dodgers, they just – They've been dominant this postseason, and right now I don't see how anyone can stop them. Oh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but I, I have a theory. But, um, again, we'll save that towards the end. I, I may as well be wrong again this week. So, um, But in that series, uh, L.A. outscored San Diego by about 2.5 to 1. Uh, overall, the, the Dodgers had scored uh, 23 runs during the course of the series where uh, San Diego was only able to muster nine runs, which, um, to me, whether you're playing the Dodgers or not, um, for San Diego to, 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 to be limited to nine runs, um, you know, in three games is, is, you know, relatively low. Luke. Uh, um, yeah, you kind of hit it on the nail, Max, the fact that the Do- the positive kind of struggled. I feel like they finally met the match. Because no matter how big the Padres came this season, how much grand slams they hit, you cannot deny that this Dodgers team is, like, really, really good. Walker Buehler, um, Mookie Betts continues to show why the, he, the Red Sox shouldn't have traded him. There's, like, a lot of things in this series that really helped the Dodgers push forward. And even with a strong team like the Padres, you saw a couple games. The Padres try to come back, but, again, the Dodgers just knew when to shut them out. It's just, like, it's really interesting to see what this Padres team is going to be doing in like the next season because you can see how big of a team they can become if they keep the strategy moving forward. Yeah, Mac. I just think that you know the the Padres they were hurt by the fact that their two best pitchers were out, or at least you know Lamette was injured. He was already ruled out for the series. And the fact that Clevenger got injured early in game one. I mean, without those two, they didn't have much pitching depth. And, you know, when you're facing a stacked lineup like the Dodgers, it's a lot harder when your best pitchers are both out. So I think, you know, if if they had Clevenger and Lamette, maybe the series would have been closer. But I just think you know the Padres. They're they're young. They're they're a strong team, but uh, they weren't just they just weren't quite ready to take on uh, the Dodgers. But I think they'll be back though. Oh, I have no doubt. Um, San Diego's look too stout. Um, they're they're such um, you know an improved team um, over you know recent years past, and um, I think uh, uh, them along with with some other teams. I think you're going to see, um, you know, more in the forefront and less in the background in, in years to come. 
you know, especially if they keep doing things, you know, the way they've been doing, you know, and, and credit to Jace Tingler. I mean, he, you know, was a first year manager, you know, and he brought him that far. You know, we had mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, David Ross also being the other rookie manager, you know, to get his team into the playoffs. And, you know, the Cubs bowed out, you know, um, you know, after being swept by the Marlins, you know, in the wild card series. Um, but, you know, but, you know, credit, like I said, credit to, to Jace Tingler for, for getting his his uh, Padres as far as they were able to get. Um Let's move over to uh, the Braves and Marlins. That was a sweep, three to nothing on the Braves' behalf. Um, we did our predictions last week. That was a 50-50 split. Um, it, myself and Alex um, took Miami. Luke and Mac, you guys both took Atlanta. Um, obviously, um, you two were right, and I, I'd be I'd be remiss not to reiterate Alex's hot take that my. Uh, uh, that he predicted that Miami would end up sweeping Atlanta. And in my little notes here, I put hashtag oops. Um, what were your thoughts on that series, Mac? Well, I think it was time that the Marlins playoff magic ran out. Um, I know Alex was very, very enthusiastic about uh, how far he thought the Marlins were going to go. But at the same time, if you look at how the Marlins did against the Cubs first and how they did all year, they weren't that dominant of a team, which is why I didn't think that they really had what it took to get past the Braves. Um, the Braves just straight up dominated them, and none of the games were particularly close. I mean, the Marlins did jump out to a lead in game one, but from about the third inning on until the end of the series, it was all Braves. I mean, the Braves just, they were hitting, they were hitting homers, they were, you know, hitting well situationally, then their pitching staff was fantastic down uh, the rest of the series. I mean, it, it was just the Marlins looked like after the Braves took that lead in game one, the Marlins looked like they didn't even have a chance. So the Braves, they dominated. And I mean, it was it, it was pretty, pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, in the end, in the end, the Braves outscored Miami by a total of 18 to five. So better than. What about three and a half to one? Um, Luke, what was your take on that series? Um, like you said earlier, I, I think it's about behind the Marlins playoff magic ran out. It's finally knowing that they're acceptable. They finally lost the playoff series for once in the organization. But yeah, at the end of the day, the Braves continue to, not to surprise me, but they've impressed me at the very least because you've seen past when the Braves get to these higher situations. They've known the choke a lot and so far they they've I feel like they've won from the mistakes because you still have Freddie Freeman performing as an MVP caliber season. You still have um Ozuna still performing really well. You got all the base batters and like you said, Mac, um when the Braves the Braves seem to outscore the Marlins in every seem way, especially after the Marlins jumped out to that lead. So I just think the Braves are continuing to surprise a lot of people. And hey, if they somehow beat the Dodgers tonight and, you know, maybe get to a certain spot they could get in the World Series for the first time in God knows how long. Yeah. Before we start uh, moving over to the League Championship Series, um, some more sad news for the baseball world. Um, Joe Morgan, um, part of the, the iconic Big Red Machine, died yesterday at 77 years old. Now, he makes, uh, I, I've honestly lost count, the fourth or fifth Hall of Famer we've lost in the last month. 
there was Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, Joe Morgan, and there were one or two more. I forget who. So I've got Lou Lou, Lou Brock. Lou Brock. Brock. You got. And uh, I think you got Whitey Floyd. Whitey Floyd. Yeah. Yeah. Forward. Yeah. And then if yeah, if you go further back, all the yeah, yeah. We got. I've got the list of all the the um ones we lost these years. We got Joe Morgan, Whitey Floyd, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, Jim Wynn, Don Larson, Tony Fernandez, and Al Kaline. All within what a month's time. Well, yeah, all within this year, technically, not all within a month, but all within this year. Well, but Brock Seaver, uh, Morgan. Um... Yeah, yeah, I think in the past couple of months, yeah. Yeah, yeah, last five yeah. It's four or five since weeks. August thirty first, five have passed away. So September, so a month, yeah, six weeks. That's that's just insane. I mean, obviously, you know, and sadly, everybody has to go at some point. But but just the 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 way that like this has just become a storm, you know, of you know of of some of the greatest players to ever play the game, you know, passing away. All within the same time frame, and I've I've not heard if anything was COVID related or not, um, but you know, be it you know whether that's the case or not, um, it, it's just it, it's just mind boggling. It's like every time I, you know, go to look at you know at at uh, sports articles, you know, another Hall of Famer has passed away, you know, and it's just it, it to me it's just um, almost bizarre that it's happening, you know, at such a big rate this year. You know, and and players that are, you know, well, I obviously I'm a lot older than you guys, but you know, you know, I I you know watched you know guys like Bob Morgan play or Lou Brock or you know or Tom Seaver, you know, where you know I, I don't know that you guys ever had a chance to you know would have ever had a chance to see them play, um, no, you know, uh, in, in anything I, but you know anything but replays, but no, I've I've listened to well, Joe Morgan whenever I played. Like MLB 2K or something like that. Or when we when I used to watch ESPN, the Yankees were on. Like I listened to Joe Morgan with um Carl, wait uh uh what's wait John what's Miller John Miller thank you John Miller don't it couldn't get the yeah. name of my brain. so yeah I've listened to a lot of John Miller and Joe Morgan whenever yeah I played the MLB 2K video game or like yeah when they were on ESPN doing something like baseball I had memories with that. Yeah, yeah, and same with me. I mean, uh, Joe Morgan was one of the first names I knew uh, as for baseball. I mean, I remember um, I I am not old enough. Obviously, I'm I'm only twenty, so I wasn't alive for Joe Morgan's playing days, or heck, for any of those guys' playing oh, days. But me neither. So yeah, it's just that Joe Morgan, like Luke said. I mean, I grew up. Uh, I had a PlayStation. I I would play MLB 2K6. I would play, uh, like, or I would watch Sunday Night Baseball. Watch so Sunday I would, Night Baseball. Yeah, I would hear Joe Morgan's voice all the time. So, like, that's, you know, it, it's a tough loss. And, I mean, I'm, I was, I was pretty devastated when I heard this morning. Yeah, uh, it's, I, it, it just, I, it, devastating. I mean, you know, to, to a true baseball fan, um, but uh, moving on, you know, let's get over to the to the league championship series. Um, we've got the Dodgers and the Braves starting tonight, uh, 8.08 Eastern time. That game is going to be played in Arlington with uh, Los Angeles being considered the home team tonight. And that'll be on Fox. 
Um, obviously, this game will be already played by the time the podcast airs. Um, the each of those two teams are now five and zero undefeated in the playoffs. So why don't I get Max take on who's going to do what to whom in this series? So obviously, both teams have made rather short work of their opponents thus far. Uh, for the Dodgers, I mean, the Brewers were basically no match for them. And then when they faced the Padres, the Padres, who are a much better team than the Brewers, uh, they, again, were dispatched fairly easily outside of maybe game two, where the Padres uh, put up a bit of a fight. Uh, meanwhile, the Braves, you know, they they made quick work of their two opponents, but I'm not necessarily sold that they're built to go to the world series. If you look at their team, or at least if you look at the teams they faced, they faced two teams with very below average offenses. Uh, the reds were one of the worst offenses, offensive teams in the majors this year, which is and the really Marlins, surprising. Yeah. And the Marlins were fairly middle of the pack. So right now, yes, it looks like the Braves pitching has been dominant against those two teams, but now they, this is going to be their big test. They're facing the Dodgers, who had the highest scoring offense in the National League, and they are just stacked from top to bottom. They have so much depth, so many weapons on offense. And then you, you go to their pitching staff, and their pitching has been very strong thus far. I mean, I just I don't see how the Dodgers can be stopped right now. The Dodgers... People, a lot of people said that the Padres were going to be the team to stop them, but you know, now that they've got past the Padres, I mean, I said this last time, you know, I said whoever won the Dodgers Padres series was going to go on and win the World Series, and I, I'm going to stick with that. I think the Dodgers are going to run right through the Braves, and the Braves, they're a strong team, but I, they, I just think they're no match for the Dodgers. So I have the Dodgers winning this series in five games. Five games, Luke. Yeah, I think you know Max nailed it on the head. The fact that the Braves took a lot easier, they just managed to outscore their opponents because they were the lowest average team in um, lowest average. They faced against the lowest average team in the MLB, and especially when you faced off against the Padres, you kind of upside mental. Excuse me. Um, apologize for that. Uh, well, my point is is that I feel like the Dodgers going to be run over the base because, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's saying Dodgers to the World Series. I have to agree because, let's be honest, Dodgers get in the World Series every year. And I feel like the hitting is really going to outmatch that base pitching, especially you get Walker Bueller in game one. And then with push like for the you, Dodgers. You cut out. I don't know if you heard of Mac. Um, I think... Were you, were you talking about the game one starters? Because, game two. I was going to say. I know. Oh, I game said two. I said walking field, walking I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Kershaw's going to go game two. Yeah, okay. I could, yeah, I, could I feel like. Tell you. I, I could say that the um, tandem that's really going to not help the base. I feel like the base may win one game at the latest, or maybe two. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers are just going to steam low right through them. So I'm going to say um, Dodgers and. Uh, like five. Yeah, Dodgers in five. Dodgers in five for Luke. All right. And let me look and see real quick if I can't find the game two starter. Hold on a second. I think it has to be Tisho. I mean. I would think so. Uh, 
Uh, yes, Kershaw in game two against Anderson. Uh, and the Rays Astros will be Yarbrough versus uh, Jaquiti. Um, and LA's game three starter has yet to be determined. Um, whoever it is will be going against Wright for Atlanta. And on the Rays Astros side, it'll be uh, Glasnow versus Houston to be determined. Um, my pick, I guess, um, I, I've never been a big Dodgers fan, but, but they do seem to have, you know, a very well-rounded, very complete, very competitive, very authoritative team this year. Um, I would like to see the Braves advance. Um, however, I don't know, um, going along with what you said, Mac, that, that they have what it takes. Um, I think, you know, looking through the field of, of, uh, the national league teams that made the playoffs, um, if you were to take San Diego out of the equation and obviously San Diego and LA couldn't be playing each other, but, uh, I think Atlanta would be the one team who might have a chance. Um, I think the, uh, Dodgers are going to do it as well. However, I think it's going to take six games because I think that uh, the Braves are going to put up a fight. Dodgers in six. I got to take these notes so we can prove where we're wrong next week. Um, moving over to the ALCS, uh, sometimes things happen and we don't always get a chance to record the podcast uh, when we'd like to. This was originally slated for Saturday before the game started, and then one thing led to the next, and here we are on Monday evening recording um, while the ALCS is now um, two games in. Um, the uh, Rays are up two to nothing, which is, you know, in my opinion, wonderful. Um, I wanted to see anybody but the Astros make it this year. Um, and uh, uh, after beating uh, uh, Houston two to one yesterday, they turned around and beat them four to two today. Um, First of all, Luke, let's get your take on the, the series overall. Um, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Bay too. They just continue to pound the Astros. And what we saw from those first two games is that the Astros, despite I'm, they're having the same issues they have with the Yankees, they just cannot hit off that base bullpen. And you see that from, from this game and then tonight's game as well. You saw the Astros trying to come back, but it wasn't enough. And you saw players like Margo, Margo, Margo and um, Rosamana continue to become who they become the great playoff performers they are this year for the Rays. And the fact that even though I even though the Rays beat us, I'm still rooting for them overall to get to the World Series because at the end of the day, I don't care if they beat us. I just want the Astros out. Like yeah. so I just think that overall the Rays, I think they, they they deserve to go to the World Series this year. And I feel like with the Astros, I know I harpened on them. I'm gonna say. Raising six because I feel like the um, Astros are going to probably win a few games, but I feel like the Rays are going to be taking them a lot more overall and they're going to fight to stop them. So I'm saying raising six. Raise and six. Mac? So I, I agree with Luke. I mean, the Rays have been, you know, their pitching, I said earlier, has been great all year. And again, uh, so far this series, they're pitching has been on point. I mean, the, you know, the, they got a good start. Um, 
in game one out of Blake Snell, albeit he kind of labored. He allowed a home run to Altuve, but he was he was strong through five innings. And then same with Morton today. And then their bullpen, although a bit of a scare in game two from Nick Anderson, their bullpen has been fantastic. I mean, it's just the Rays, the Rays pitching is just shutting down an offense uh, that had been red hot. And now, you know, they're up 2-0 in the series for a reason. But I do not think this series is over necessarily. I think the Astros still have time to make a series out of this. I'm not think I don't think that the Rays are just going to run right through them. I mean, you saw how well Houston played against Minnesota and Oakland. I mean, I think their offense is still like it's still much better than it was in the regular season. So uh, I'm picking the Rays to win this, but I'm going to take the Rays in seven. I think the Astros have enough. Uh, firepower to at least force a game seven but overall i think the rays are the better team so yeah i'll take the rays in seven games Rays in seven for mac um going back to snell for a minute um he's fought this problem for a long time you know while um effective last night um his pitch count is just insane he had a 29 or 30 pitch First inning, um, he had another inning that was in the upper 20s, you know, and by the time all was said and done, um, he finished with 105 pitches in five innings. I mean, to me, um, you know, that just seems awful high, you know, for your ace, you know, and he has and he hasn't gone six innings all year. Now, granted, he's rebounding from an injury. Um, you know, Kevin Cash said they, they were absolutely trying to protect him, you know, to some extent. Um, you know, but, but this is go time, go or go home, you know, and, and I don't know if he's, if, if, if his injury is nagging him to some extent. Um, but anytime he tried to pitch inside last night, he missed, you know, terribly. Um, he, he got nothing called, you know, on the inside edge, you know, the zone, um, you know, when he went to throw in, he was in by a good four five, six inches, you know, um, unintentionally, I would say, but you know, a lot of brushback pitches when he tried to go in. Um, so, so what's the deal with Snell, Mac? You know, I, I was going to say that I don't think Snell necessarily had his best stuff yesterday. I mean, he only had two strikeouts. I mean, he wasn't necessarily on point, but he was doing enough to get the job done. And I think Luke sort of hinted at this himself, uh, earlier is that the Astros haven't been doing themselves any favors. I mean, this series, they've had plenty of opportunities to score, and they just haven't been coming through. Uh, With Snell, I mean, he's never been a guy who necessarily goes super deep into games. Even in his Cy Young year, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like a low pitch count or like low, you know, stamina guy, but he didn't even pitch 200 innings that year. Uh, Across 31 starts, he threw 180 innings. And the you know, last year, obviously, he dealt with an injury, so it's different. So I think, you know, he's he's eventually going to have to get to a point where he can work deep into games. But, you know, when also you're a high strikeout guy, that will also drive up your pitch count. So uh, while yesterday he didn't necessarily strike a lot, of, he only struck two batters out, I think that, um, yeah, he's just going to be one of those guys where, you, you know, he – he maybe pitches five innings, but you know he'll throw a hundred or so pitches. You know that's that's just the type of pitcher he's going to be. 
Well, when you talk about high strikeout guys, I mean, being a Cubs fan, the first person that comes to mind is you, Darvish. And, and, you know, and I, and I'd said, you know, often that, um, you know, if Darvish were to put more faith in his, you know, um, defense, you know, and, and let, let his, his, you know, infielders and outfielders worry about, you know, creating the outs instead of worrying about, you know, striking them out, um, you know, they could probably go deeper, but I mean, Darvish has managed to go seven innings, you know, six innings with, with no sweat whatsoever. Um, but when you compare him to Snell, it, it just seems like, like, and again, I, you know, to Snell's defense, he's, he's overcoming an injury, but Darvish has over, has overcome several, you know, and he's still firing the ball, you know, any one of 10 or 11 different pitches that he throws anywhere he wants with command, where to me, it just, it just doesn't look like Snell has a lot of command. And, and I, I get that. I mean, I think. You know, Snell, obviously, he has that Cy Young award. Uh, that's been easily his best season. Uh, but, you know, he's still, he's not the type of guy who will just get through without walking batters, too. I mean, he, for his career, he averages 3.8 walks per nine, which will always, uh, you know, if you walk a lot of batters, too. I know I know. I said strikeouts drive up your pitch count, but walks drive up your pitch count even more. So... He's de- he definitely that is definitely something that he has to work on. I mean, and also he led the majors this year in wild pitches with seven in only fifty innings. So clearly, like he he definitely does have to work on his command a bit. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher, and I think he has very good stuff. But I think if he wants to return to that Cy Young form, he's definitely going to need to work on his command. Absolutely, and we mentioned earlier. Um... Uh, both the names, uh, Rosarina and Altuve, uh, who both had homers in last night's game. Um, the winning run didn't come off a home run, but uh, Rosarina was able to, uh, to tie it up after Altuve homered in the first. Um, so, again, we're, we're playing long ball in the ALDS. Um, I didn't uh, get uh, a chance to see the game today. Uh, however, um, well, we, we kind of watched the, uh, the closing innings, you know, together, but, um, you know, Tampa's now leading that series, uh, with her four, two win today, uh, uh, two games to nothing. Um, and Margot had hit a three run Homer, uh, this afternoon after Altuve was charged with a two out throwing error that would have gotten them out of the inning. Watching that replay. It seems to me, and we were talking about this a little before we started the show, it seems to me that that while Altuve's throw wasn't the best, that shouldn't have been a throwing error on Altuve. That should have been a fielding error, uh, error on Gurriel because um, watching that replay, he he backhanded the ball, um, and, and it appeared to me that if he would have just you know picked it, he wouldn't have had any trouble handling that ball. Um, Mac, I think you said um, you agreed with that assessment. Yeah, I agree, and this is why I don't think that stats such as errors and fueling percentage should necessarily be used to best to evaluate how good someone is at fielding because it's all human judgment. I mean, on that play, yeah, Altuve's throw was not great, but Gurriel should have been able to handle that, and I I just think that, I mean, for Gurriel, that has to be an error on him because he just straight up, drop the throw and then we, the guy running it was g-man Choi running who is not a fast runner he had time to re- 
cover too, and he just didn't recover well. And of course, that leads to the the big three run homer from Margot. So, yeah, I think that that definitely should have been an error on Guriel instead of Altuve. Yeah, Luke, did yeah. you get a chance to see the play? Yeah, now I, I just did now, and I think when I saw I saw a comment that said it reminds me of Chuck Knobloch, where who was a former Yankee at the time, where he would sometimes have these little issues in the outfield where he would make a throw and then I don't know, like the frustration would have trouble scooping up. That I feel like reminds you of that um play in ninety six World Series where you guys probably didn't see it. I think you did you saw it, probably saw it at the time, Ken, where Altuve tried to not Altuve, I'm sorry, Nawak tried making it to the first and the ball hit and he was like arguing with the umpire and that's how the boot scored that run to win game one. Kinda of reminds you of that. But at the end of the day, yeah, that I think that error really caused the Astros to kind of maybe lose the game on that first inning alone because you cannot have an error like that and then have a home that follow, be followed up just like that. It kind of reminds me of um, also, you guys saw game two against the LDS, but, and I apologize for going on a tangent here. The umpires, I hated the umpires in game two of that series because I feel like they really screwed up us. I'm not saying that as an excuse, but I feel like, do you guys feel those umpires made screwed up the chance to get a double play that would have ended the inning. Yeah, and you know, and the Astros had a chance to come back tonight. They were going into the top of the ninth. They were trailing uh four to one and and uh Tampa was considered the home team tonight. Um at, at, going into the ninth tonight, the Astros had the bases loaded, nobody out, and could only muster one run. Um I forget who it was now. Who who hit into the double play? Brantley. Springer. I think it was, yeah. Springer. Springer. Yeah. Hit into First a double, pitch. Yeah, hit into a double play. They score one. Um, you know, they managed to get uh, to drop, you know, a, a couple of walks. Um, you know, and they and they still only are able to put one one over the plate, you know, so the final being, you know, four to two. At this point in the playoffs, Houston, by my count, has a five and three record. The Rays, seven and two. Um, I think, uh, you guys had picked, let's see, I took some notes here. Luke said the Rays in six, Max said the Rays in seven. Ken's going to say the Rays in five. I think they're, they're, um, absolutely overpowering Houston. I think they've got them reeling at this point. Um, you know, Houston came in, um, with, with high expectations, um, and, and they had lived up to those expectations until, uh, they met their match with Tampa. Um, I think uh, Kevin Cash is doing an awesome job of managing, um, you know, and, and Dusty Baker is Dusty Baker. I mean, you know, he's, you know, almost 30 years older than Cash, so he's going to manage in a little different style. He's a little more, um, got a little more of a, you know, like a laissez-faire attitude, you know, what will be will be, um, you know, where, you know, um, well, they were saying last night, you know, Baker was in, you know, the dugout um, pregame, you know, laughing along with a couple of players and talking, you know, Kevin Cash was out there with the fungo bat, you know, making his infielders, you know, take ground balls, you know, and I just think that it seems to me that the Rays have come into this um, even, even more so this series than, than um, the previous two series with just, with just a, a, a very obvious hunger, you know, and a very obvious desire to win. And, and it seems to me that, um, 
the Astros almost kind of look like, um, in this series anyway, the Astros almost look like the Cubs have looked postseason. Um, well, they didn't make it last year, but um, this year and 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 in uh, twenty nine uh, eighteen rather, um, like like they had that that desire to get to the playoffs, but once they got to the playoffs, there was just no hunger there, and and the Astros have not at all looked that way until this series. But to me, they just don't look like they're as hungry as the Rays are. Thoughts? But uh, um, for the Astros, um, not being as hungry as the Rays are. Yeah, for the the Astros not looking hungry. I uh, mean, does it? Does, or uh, as, yeah, I feel like as, once, yeah, I feel like, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like once we they've learned about the genes here, though. Um, once they figured out they cheated and they lost all credibility being cheated, that's when the offense completely went flat in the series alone. And you can see now that the, they're struggling against a team that actually is learning how to play more better better, and learning how to play properly. And you see that right there in those first two games. And it kind of shows that this is what happens when you cheat. You can't do that. You you, you have to play like everybody else. And you, you, may, you may have impressed us with this two ser- last two series, but you're going to play a really good team in the U.S. in the race, and then that's what happens. Mac? Well, I think, I mean, similar to how, like, the Braves pitching staff has, dominate, has dominated because they've faced weaker offenses, I think that the – I'm not saying that the Twins and A's necessarily have weak pitching staffs, but I think the Astros have not faced an elite pitching staff necessarily yet. And now they have to face the Rays, who have so many different good pitchers that – their offense has been cooled off. I mean, they looked, they were the hottest team in baseball, arguably coming into this series. I mean, but now they're facing a very loaded pitching staff. And I think, you know, their offense can only stay hot for so long. And now they finally faced a team that is better than them, both offensively and pitching wise so i think you know it's not just the cheating i think that the astros are trying to prove themselves and prove that they can win without cheating i just think that right now i don't see how they can get past the rays i don't see them getting past um like i said the race the race just look too hungry to me and, and too determined i guess would be a good word um, something else I wanted to talk about. I wrote an article the other morning, um, about how I thought, um, this MLB season had had, um, thus far, just a terrible set of playoffs. Um, and, and I jotted down some numbers to be prior to the start of the league championship series, because like I said, we were originally going to record the show on Saturday. Um, at that point, well, throughout the playoffs, there there could be a possible of 65 games uh, being played. 24 wild card, 20 LDS, 14 LCS, and seven World Series. Um, at that point, going into to the uh, league championship series, there had been eight sweeps. Six out of eight of the wild card rounds were sweeps. Both the National League Division Series rounds were sweeps. The Braves um, beating... Uh, Miami, LA beating San Diego. Um, 
and at uh, prior again to the to the start of the the LCS, um, there could have potentially been forty four games played at that point, but there'd only been thirty three games played due to the sweeps and and teams you know under like the Cubs, you know who were also swept grossly underperforming. Um, what's your take, Mac, on on the uh, taking out? Like I said, the league championship series. Uh, so the first two rounds of playoffs. What what's your take? I just think that they formatted this wrong. I mean, I don't think that three games is a sufficient playoff series. You know, like I've said on past shows, like every team goes through ups and downs throughout a season. And if you go, you know, a lot of teams lose back to back games, but in a best out of best two out of three series, if you lose those first two games, you're done. And I just don't think that's a fair way to evaluate a team's performance. Well, I mean, but generally a wild card series is just one game. So well, yes, and I, I agree. I just think that if they want to expand the playoffs, maybe I well, first of all, I disagreed with the whole idea of expanding the playoffs to begin with. I mean, sixteen teams, that's over half the league making yep, the playoffs. I agree. I agree. But I just think you know, I I think that I'm not necessarily saying that they like they can't expand the playoffs like at all, but I think eight teams, first of all, was too many for each league. And also that if they do want to create like uh say expand to like six teams or seven teams in each league, like still make at least that first round a best of five or uh, like a best of five because I get that the postseason would be longer, but I think that the only way to do a proper playoff series is if it's greater, if it's like a three out of five or a four out of seven. Interesting. Uh, Luke? Yeah, like you said with both of you, I agree. I don't like the suspended playoff format. It's just not working. It just didn't work right. That's why you saw like the Indians not get played very good, and you saw that with... um. Yeah, no, a wild card as well, but I just think that I, I just think that the, they have to rethink this whole playoffs. Man, they're clearly not working. It's not right to have, have all these teams come in and like there's still probably 500 teams, and as you saw there, they're like it's not right to have them in. It should have just been the way it should have been. I, I I didn't like this format at all. Well, I think they had to do it um, a little differently this year because of the 60 game season. I mean, you're playing. Yeah. Uh, a little over um, a third of, of what a regular season would be. I think it was uh, something like 67% or something. Um, you know, so that, that really didn't give teams a lot of time to, um, you know, the Cubs are a good example. They're generally a very good second-half team. Um, ironically, in this shortened season, they came out of the gate firing, you know, and, and at the second half of the 60 games, they were – um, pretty lousy, you know, to be, to be quite honest about it. Um, you know, but I think, I think with the shortened season, um, and I'm, I'm grateful for what we got. Um, but, uh, first of all, I think the season could have gone longer. Um, talking to my friend, uh, Anthony Bass, who pitches for the, for the Blue Jays. Um, he had told me that, that, the the players association, um, when all the bickering was going back and forth about how many games are going to be played, originally it was going to be um, somewhere around you know 45 to 50. Um, 
the players union actually wanted a hundred games or something like a hundred, hundred or 102 games, 110 games, something like that. They wanted, um, playoffs going through Thanksgiving, um, you know, including the world series. Um, and they were, and they were willing to play, you know, through that, through that weird period, obviously they'd have to, you know, the Cubs couldn't be playing, you know, at Wrigley field in, you know, in November. Um, but, um, they wanted, you know, to give the fans as much baseball as they could possibly give. And for all the whining, um, the owners and of course, Rob Manford, who caters to the owners every chance he gets, um, said, no, this is going to be it, you know, take it or leave it. Um, there were going to be grievances filed back and forth. I know, um, there was all kinds of, of, of drama, you know, behind this season, um, not counting, you know, the virus, which, which started all the havoc to begin with my suggestion early on, you know, talking to Anthony was, you know, what I think they should have done was with all the with all the um, disagreement in, in how many games and, you know, whether they were going to use bubbles or certain cities or realign, you know, the schedules, you know, which is obviously what they ended up doing. I said, with all the trouble brewing, you know, we all know there's likely to be a lockout or a strike after next season. If the two, if the two sides, the, the league and the union, would have gotten together they could have collectively abandoned the current CBA, spent this whole season ironing out a new CBA to start in 2021, and that would have averted the um, the potential strike or lockout after next season and, and given us baseball for years to come. Um, Anthony thought it was a great idea. Obviously, um, you know, I have no way to get Rob Manford's ear and um, – you know, and, and obviously it was, you know, it was talk between us. Um, he thought it was a fantastic idea. What, what would have been your thoughts to doing that? Mac? Uh, I like, oh, I like that. I think it's a good idea. Especially, I'm, I wasn't paying attention on my apologies. I was about to watch the Dodgers, the Dodgers game, but I, I like what you've seen. Yeah, I think you got some really good ideas. I also want to ask you if we could have some better umpires we just get some robot umpires in there because you saw with many games this season, especially in the postseason, um, the game, the umpires like CB Buckner continues to become not the greatest umpire, and you saw many games that he had this season where he has got so many calls wrong, and that's what's driving me crazy. Is that we need better umpires, and if they can add that onto the deal, that would work. But I think overall, I like the plan to give much more baseball. What do you think, Mac? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for more baseball. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I, I, I've been a baseball fan my entire life, basically. But I mean, I think the league did not handle it very well. I mean, you saw how the NBA and the NHL they were able to get bubbles going. Uh, the league came back at the end of July. They were able to go right through until the NBA Finals, which ended yesterday. I mean. I I definitely wanted a season this year, but it was only 60 games, which to me, I mean, I even had a hard time watching every single game this year. I'm not saying that I normally have time because I'm, I am a student athlete. I don't always have time to watch every single game, but 
I just felt like this year it wasn't as it wasn't as great as it was in years past. I mean, I have a friend who's uh, a Dodgers fan. He said that even he was barely watching baseball, and he's a fan of the best team in the league. I mean, it was just it was handled poorly, and uh, I really hope the MLB can recover from this. I was I I didn't necessarily want to see the season scrapped, but as the delay continued to go on. Uh, the more and more I thought about it, I thought maybe it would have been best to cancel the season. But I'm glad that baseball came back this year. I just wasn't as thrilled as I thought I was going to be. Yeah, I was the same way. I mean, I found myself um, just, you know, tur- not even not even necessarily that they were losing, but, you know, turning off, um, you know, Cubs games in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning, you know, and just, you know, turning on something else or going to bed or, you know, or whatever. But it, it just, it, it, I don't know whether it was the lack of the crowds. I don't know um, whether it was some of the stupid new rules they've implemented. I mean, and the runner on second base has to be, has to be the worst rule. I, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, I, I've gotten to be okay with the, with the three batter minimum. Um, I've actually come to, to actually enjoy uh, the designated hitter, you know, which, and, and I've, I've written so many articles about how I thought the universal DH was a terrible idea. Um, but I've actually come to kind of embrace that, um, you know, and, and, but, but this runner on second thing to me, that just, that just screams little league, like, Oh, you know, our, our, you know, we can't, you know, handle 15, 16 inning games anymore. So we're going to spot you a runner on second base. You know, to me that that just that just screams little league. Um, I think it takes away from the integrity of the sport. You know, the idea is to get into extra innings and manage to get a runner to second base. You know, because you drew a walk and stole a base, or because you doubled down the right field line, or because you know somebody hit a single and then got bunted over. Not because we just say, hey. The last guy that made the last out, just take him and stick him on second base this inning, and we'll start from there. To me, that that's that's just garbage. It's a garbage rule. I think it affected, um, you know, the season, um, you know, a lot. I mean, not that the the opposing team doesn't get the same opportunity, um, but I just think I just think it was a terrible rule. You know, let them play it out. If it's an eighteen inning game and it's an eighteen inning game, you know, for God's sake, you're only playing sixty games to begin with. You know, they should have let them go the distance and, and, you know, Hey, you know what, if we got, you know, an extra five, six innings of baseball, because, you know, it took that long to score an extra innings, then so be it. You know, the seven inning double headers, I'm not a fan of. Um, I understand, you know, again, why they did it. Um, but you know, at the same point in time, why couldn't we have played a nine inning game and made the nightcap a seven inning game? Why did it have to be two sevens? You know, and, and it just seems to me that Rob Manford does things just so illogically, um, you know, and, and, and his whole agenda is, is you know, to, quote, better the sport. And, and all he's doing is making the sport worse, you know, in my opinion. And, you know, we've said before, we could go on for hours, you know, about Manford and his shortcomings. And, you know, and it's very obvious that, that the majority of the players don't like him. Um, he's definitely an owner's commissioner. Um you know, and that's the only way he'll ever be removed is if the owners, you know, vote him out. And and why would they when he's giving them everything that they want? You know, 
Now, my last question before we close out the show today is the more I've sat and thought about this, and, and I meant to mention this the last two shows, and, and we got off on other topics and I never brought it up. Did Major League Baseball make a mistake this year? Okay, I, I get why they, why they did the, the um, schedule the way they did where, you know, AL Central played NL Central, AL West played NL West, and so forth. Um, should they have done it different this year? Should they have realigned it so that there was an East, West, and Central League as opposed to an American League and National League? Uh, I'm going to say yes. I feel like remember, when you saw that picture of uh, Manfred and the lightning in the background of that Yankees National Team, you knew this was going to go very really poorly this year, and you kind of saw it. I, I, I'm not saying this as a biased fan, but I feel like Yankees really didn't get away with it because you saw them play the race, and that's why they really struggled um, this this season, especially that's why they managed to lose against the race. I feel like once you play... I think if they played a lot of other teams, they could get a lot better, more practice in there. I feel like a lot of teams could have maybe played a lot better, and I feel like instead of giving them, like, the NL East and the AL East, I feel like you're giving them, like, maybe give them the West. You know, let's have that revenge game that we've always wanted to see with the Yankees and Astros. Give them a little more variety because we have all these different storylines we want to see. Mac? Well, I think... When I saw that the schedule was going to be the way it was, where the like teams in the East would only face each other, and then you know the Central faces them, and the West, etc., I think that maybe three leagues would have been the way to go: East, West, and Central. Just because when you look at the way that the playoffs were set up, there were teams that had not had not faced each other this year, which is rarely ever the which the only time that that really happens is the World Series normally. But this year, I mean, the, 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 you look at the first-round matchups, the, there, were no, there were no interdivisional matchups in the, uh, in the playoffs. And um, I think that if you go – I get that that's the way it's supposed to be, but like, those are teams facing each other for the first time all year. I think that uh, either – Doing it because they kept the divisions this year. That was my thing is that maybe do it like basketball where they, they could have done it like just National League and American League so that they could have faced off against all the different teams. And I get that this was to prevent travel precautions. That's why they made the schedule. But maybe like do it something like that, you know, where it's just the National League and then the standings one through eight eliminate the divisions. Just do those two leagues, and then that's the standings. Because that that would also, if you're going to do eight teams, I want to see the eight best teams make it, and I don't want to see some subpar teams that, you know, maybe aren't so deserving of the playoffs make the playoffs because, you know, they're second in the division automatically. Uh, I think that three divisions, I don't know how the playoffs would have been set up, but Either that or just the two, like, NL and AL leagues compared to having six divisions. I think that would have been the best way to do it. Well, one of the ideas early on, um, before they decided on, on the schedule and the, and the, the setup that they, that they ultimately decided on, 
um, there was going to be at one point they were talking about um, dividing it into two leagues um, being grapefruit and cactus, um, which would have been really interesting because, you know, the Cubs, you know, wouldn't have seen teams in their own division, um, you know, while, you know, um, you know, because they'd have been playing all the, the Arizona uh, uh, teams in the Cactus League, um, where if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Cardinals spring training is in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it is. I, yeah, I thought I thought it was. You know, so they wouldn't have seen the cards all year, you know, where where they would have been playing, you know, um, you know, teams like, you know, like uh oh who else who else out there? Um, you know, like the A's or, you know, they wouldn't have seen the White Sox all year who who every year in inter interleague play they, they end up facing. Um, you know, so I, I wasn't all that gung-ho about about the concept of of cactus grapefruit league um but but i think your idea mac might have been better where there were where there were just you know um forego the divisions because i mean 80 percent of the national league central got in the playoffs this year and 80 percent of the national league central was eliminated during the wild card round every single team the the brewers are out um swept by the dodgers the the um uh, the Cardinals were out, you know, uh, losing two games to one to San Diego. The Cubs were swept by Miami. You know, the Reds were swept by Atlanta. So, you know, what is that? I mean, you got 80% of, of, of the wild card round. Or, I'm sorry, 80% of the National League Central in the wild card round. You know, and nobody even progresses. You know, and, I, and I'm certain, you know, and this goes back to the shortened season. You know, I'm certain there were teams far better than than the Brewers, you know, that that could have made the playoffs had there been more games to be played, you know, and and unfortunately it wasn't. But, you know, at the same time, you know, like we said, you know, I, I'm glad there was a season, you know, but but going back to my original thought, you know, I, I almost wish they would have they would have just scrapped the CBA, used this season and this winter, you know, to renegotiate a new collective bargaining agreement and started fresh in 21 so that we don't see the work stoppage that we're probably going to be seeing in 2022. So final thoughts, guys, as we wind this thing up, Mac. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously the playoffs are exciting. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I want to see the best teams going at it. Uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when, talking about the NL Central. I mean, those were a lot of, there was a lot of mediocrity in that division, yet somehow four teams ended up in the playoffs. Uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily great to see. I mean, they were all out very early. Then again, you could say that about the AL Central too. They, uh, seven, the seven Central division teams that made the playoffs all got eliminated in the first round, which was surprising to say the least you thought that at least one of them would have made it further but regardless you know it's you know it is what it is for this year i really hope next year isn't like this i i would certainly hope that next year is a bit more normal you know obviously we couldn't have planned on it because there was a you know this global pandemic you know it's it's going to be interesting uh i'm still looking forward to watching the rest of this playoffs but you know, 
obviously we're harping on it. We're harping on the sport a bit this uh, for now, but we, we know that we're all going to end up missing it uh, because there's only about two weeks left of baseball for the year. And then we have the long off season once again. So I'm really hoping there's no more stoppages or anything, but you just you got got to wait and see. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to deal with the stressfulness of the playoffs anymore. Now that the Yankees aren't in it, but um, I'm glad I'm going to be able to watch to see if the um, Rays can see if they can continue to dominate against the Astros, and I'll see if the Rays can somehow take advantage of now leading one nothing in this game and see if they can continue um, playing the series really well against the Dodgers. And I think whoever makes it to the World Series, um, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. And yeah. I feel like the MLB has to get it right next season. I'm really hoping there's once again, like I said, the last couple of shows, I want to see fans in the stands again. I want to actually go to the game because I, I, I'm never going to be able to. I, I really want to be able to experience going to a live baseball game again. I'm really hoping things can try to at least return to normal. And if the MLB can try to find a way to use that to fix the schedule, um, that would be great too as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm I'm grateful it's back. I I don't know, um, with the pandemic, what what next season's gonna hold. Um, they are talking about uh, letting some fans in for the World Series, from what I'm from what I'm reading. Um, but when you look at you know all the problems the NFL is having, um, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Um, hopefully what we witnessed this year doesn't become the new normal. Um, although, uh, you know, I mean, at some point in time, you know, you, you would think this virus has to go away or it has to die off or, um, you know, or they, they come up with a cure or vaccine, um, you know, because, you know, this season was, um, definitely not, um, you know, not, not, what I wanted, not what I had hoped for. Um, I got a chance to go to Wrigley Field last year, um, see the Cubs beat the Braves. It was uh, Craig Kimbrell's debut, um, and it was my wife's first time at Wrigley Field um, ever. It was my son's first professional ball game ever. Um, you know, and it was just such a great time. Um, and I, nicely enough, the the night before we were actually up at Miller Park to see Anthony Bass, who was with the Mariners last year, play Milwaukee. So we actually did two games in two days. Um, so I guess the Cubs game would have been my son's second game. But, um, you know, I, I miss, you know, being able to go to the games. I, I miss the crowd. I miss the, you know, the the camaraderie in the stands. You know, I, I mean, I don't know necessarily how much, you know, that's so at other ballparks, but, you know, at Wrigley Field, um, you've got a very diehard core, you know, group of fans, um, you know, that that if you're not careful, you'll miss the game because, you know, the guy next to you wants to talk baseball, you know, and it's, and it's a great time and, you know, it's expensive time. But, you know, nonetheless, I'd much rather, you know, have the opportunity to to be in the stands or to to at least see people in the stands rather than cardboard cutouts. Um, so hopefully you know, throughout the course of this winter, moving into the spring, you know, we, we come up with um, some sort of resolution to this virus to make it safe, you know, for, you know, um, for the players first and foremost. I mean, obviously we've seen they can play ball without fans in the stadium. 
um, you know, financially that's killing the business. Um, so hopefully they, they come up with something and we resume, you know, some kind of normal activity again next season. So in closing, um, I want to remind everybody to follow our podcast on, uh, Twitter at OTH underscore cheap seats, um, to follow our baseball Twitter account at, uh, baseball underscore OTH and to follow, um, the overall grand scheme of things, uh, OT underscore heroics. Um, you can find everything there from WWE to MLB to NFL to, to football and everything else or hockey and everything else. So, um, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, we'll get together again after the, the LCS series is over, compare notes, see how we did and look forward to the world series. Um, so until then, like I said, my name is Ken Allison. You can find me at Ken Allison 18. Mac, tell them where to find you. I'm at Matthias underscore A underscore K. And Luke. I'm at Sonic Hockey Fan. All right, guys, that's it. Have a good night, and we'll see everybody soon. Once again, this is OTH Cheap Seats Chatter on Twitter. We are at OTH underscore cheap seats. We'll be giving you baseball highlights, our takes there. Our takes will be on this podcast going four days a week as we spoke to in the show. But uh, if you really like baseball, you enjoy what we're giving you, you should go check out our partners at Dugout Mugs. That's dugoutmugs.com. They make mugs out of the barrel of baseball bats. It's a great gift for any baseball fan or let's be honest, for yourself if you're a baseball fan. So once again, dugoutmugs.com.
Sarah Allen, pick one of the bad ones.